Welcome to Ballet Dance Live podcast. My name is Jana Komarnitska. I'm a full-time dancer based in Toronto, performing a variety of Middle Eastern and Central Asian dance styles, including ballet dance. You can find me at janadance.com as well as on Insta or Facebook by Jana Dance or Jana Komarnitska. I'm happy you've decided to join us for this weekly dose of dance inspiration because here on this podcast we explore all nuances and insights into lifestyle of ballet dancers and we are having amazing star guests who share their stories, secrets and tips with you. Hello everyone, welcome back to Ballet Dance Live podcast. I'm happy you decided to tune in back and I can't believe it's already almost the end of 2018. This year just flew by so, so quickly. And I hope it was uh, full of adventures and uh, uh, dance surprises, journeys and explorations for you. And hopefully you're already looking forward to 2019. And surprisingly, in the last about month or so, I have received multiple number of messages about dancers who were asking me for some tips on how to perform in the Middle East, how to get contracts for uh, Dubai or other Arab countries. Uh, although I have no experience in it, I never performed uh, or been a contract dancer, but uh, by some reason uh, people probably just thought maybe I have some tips or resources or experience. So, I decided it's a good time to put together another best of episode and now dedicated to the contracts in the Middle East and specifically in Arab Emirates or other countries in that region. And I can only explain this surprising number of messages regarding this topic that maybe people already planning their 2019 and planning some life-changing events in their dance career too. So I hope you will enjoy this episode. I put together parts of the previous interviews that highlight different uh, things and aspects of working in the Middle East. And uh, they are coming from three different artists, Katerina Seham, Amar Lamar, as well as I added uh, a little part of interview with Brenda, although she is mainly performing in Egypt now, but she had a little experience of being a, a director of folklore troupe in uh, other countries other than Egypt. So we had we will have at the end a little comparison between dancing in Egypt and dancing in other countries outside of Egypt. I will talk more about each of these artists as the episode flows, but before we dive into actual interviews, I just want to give a quick thank you for Balladance Evolution for supporting our podcast. I feel that Balladance Evolution, directed by Jelina, is one of those companies that definitely will leave a mark in the history of Balladance because of their significant contribution to the development of this art form. Don't miss their performance of Phantasm 2001 Nights in Sydney on March 9th. Also, don't forget that BDE is starting a new program to push dancers to their next level called Jelina's BDE Experience. The debut intensive is this March in Los Angeles. You can apply by January 27th for consideration and more information about both performance and this program you can find at their website balladanceevolution.com 
So, our first featured guest today is Katerina Seham, who was one of the first guests for this podcast at all. Actually, if you want to hear the full interview with her, go back to episode number seven. And it was quite a hardcore conversation about dance contracts in the Middle East. Katerina was very generous on her tips and suggestions for new dancers, as well as sharing a lot of practical things that uh, dancers should know before considering even to perform in the Middle East as a contract dancers. But Katerina Seham herself is a successful dancer who has been collaborating with one of the most prestigious entertainment agencies in Dubai. And you may also know her vlog that she highlights uh, different aspects of working in the Middle East, as well as she recently started a sort of a, a little online store when she sends uh, finds goodies in the Middle East. Uh, I remember specifically very cool and intricate perfumes and uh, some uh, Kaliji dresses. And uh, if you're interested in something like that, uh, contact her and see uh, maybe she can. Send something to you but right now let's dive in the part of the interview that she talks a lot about practical things of uh, dance contract and portfolio and how in general agents uh, select dancers for such contracts and again if you want to listen to the full interview with Katerina and uh, hear all tips that she shared on our podcast go back to episode number seven Let's talk about your work in Arab Emirates and just let's go back to years ago, then was your uh, first job there. So tell us please, when and how and what was your first contract to work in Arab country? Well, my first experience, it was in uh, Sultanate of Amman and it was so long time ago, it was 2009. And uh, of course, for that time, I didn't know anything, and I can say I was not even a professional dancer, but I just wanted to have experience to work in Middle East because everybody was telling that it's something special and it's totally different from what we have back home. So I just went there. Of course, it was not easy to find a contract, first of all, but uh, as experience, it was really great, and uh, I just was so involved in this. Then I spent last almost two years already working there, and uh, I can say it's really cool. You remember we started as idea of my video blogs also, because I really share my tips for the girls, for the dancers who would like to work in Middle East, because uh, it's not that easy if you don't have experience and you don't know anything about it to start with so first of all what was my mistakes uh, when I started I, I didn't know about how would my portfolio should look like because I used to be really rejected a lot from the agencies because they used to tell me that my portfolio is not good enough and those days I I couldn't understand what do they mean because I thought my photos and videos were perfect for, for that time because I just didn't know how it should look like. Mm -hmm. So then I started to look for the, some other dancers who work in Middle East, how they look like and uh, how it should be because then when I was going to the photo studio working with my photographer, I was trying to explain what I really need because it's not like just photo, regular photo. Yeah, you need to actually um, sell yourself, you have to be attractive, 
first of all, for your agency, uh, for your manager, because the manager, the hotel is uh, someone who hires you. They should be attracted by you before audience will see you. So because usually uh, agency usually says three minimum up, up to five plus minus dancers for the uh, F&B manager to choose or the manager of the hotel or whatever, depends on the structure. And then they will, they will choose. And of course, they will choose the someone who is the most attractive. And lots of time, they don't really even check your dance videos. Mm -hmm. This is something strange, which I didn't know. I thought if I am a professional dancer and uh, I am a winner of the contest, I will be automatically superstar in Middle East. But it doesn't work this way there. They don't need you to know everything about dance to be a really, really good dancers. I know that in the Middle East, uh, sometimes there are dancers who are not even a dancer, actually. They can be even just uh, models. Hmm. So they just have plus minus good costumes. They're very good looking. They're attractive and they're sex appeal. And they're quite successful, even though they're not professional at all. Mm -hmm. They're not even amateur. So this is, uh, was something strange, which I didn't know, and it was very, um, well, it, I can say it removed my crown from my head, you know, <laughs> what I can say. So I just realized that I should work on my portfolio, um, because first of all, they will check my photos. And then maybe, maybe they will check my videos, not even always. And then also your video should be perfect. And of course, it should be super sexy at the photos, you know, like not um, forget about folklore costumes there, which is also was very, I was upset by this because I thought, oh, I, I love the culture. I like to know about uh, folklore dance. But then I realized um, that Middle East audience, the Arab people, they are looking at the, it's not always art. Of course, they like to see professional, but they also look at the attractive uh, face and attractive body. I see. So that uh, was a bit upset, but also there's a big percentage of audience who loves um, a good art. They like professional, they can see if you're professional or not, and they would like to enjoy your show. And of course you should make a good show, like it should be not something boring stuff, you know? Yeah, that's true. Well, I definitely do remember your uh, vlogs about uh, life of ballet dancing in Arab countries. And uh, I'm pretty sure you have uh, been receiving a lot of messages even before you start blogs, uh, those vlogs. But probably even more after you publish them from many people, from many dancers who were asking you advice or how to get contract or how to start working in the uh, Middle East. And uh, you just said so many really interesting insights and tips uh, but i would love to really break down some of them for instance you mentioned portfolio so as i understood the main thing in portfolio are photos what other elements should dancer prepare for their portfolio if they want to get a contract to work in arab countries if at all they need anything else for their portfolio what what do you mean by dancers portfolio if you are talking about that kind of uh, work Number one, it's the photos, as I would say. Okay, about the mistakes which dancers do, which I've done a lot, which I studied. So this is my experience. Uh, first of all, it should be really professional photo. What I mean, of course, it should be uh, edited. It should be very good light. And um, 
forget about folklore costumes. Your your belly, your your bra, everything should be shown. Yeah, and you should remember to, to make not just a nice pose, but really attractive pose. I can, I can say uh, even sexual pose, because this is uh, what they expect to see. And uh, lots of dancers, uh, for example, if we talk about the costumes, which I was mentioning, lots of dancers forget about the push-ups, okay? Because the size, it's important. It's as we make a joke, uh, the bigger size you have, the more professional you are. So this is, this is weird, but this is true. This is, I was really upset about that when I started because um, like I thought, come on, they don't, you should look about how professional I am, not the size of my boobs. But actually, they do look on your boobs, number one. And then later on, when you are already at the contract, when you start to dance, then they start to dance how you dance. But before, they want to see the poster in the hotel, and you should have a big boobs. It's what the dancers need to know if they want to work. And lots of dancers, they do operations. Oh, I see. And um, what, what my agent said when he saw me, he said, you are very tall. This is very good. I like the tall dancers. Like, it's, it's, it's very important, which is strange. I didn't, thought, I didn't think about it. I thought it's like, okay, average... Uh, Height, it's okay, but actually in Middle East they don't like short dancers. 165 centimeters plus, 170 is already good. And even I, I know that some models which they had, they were really high and uh, they were really successful because they like high dancers. I know that lots of uh, short girls that really suffer, they dance on so high heels like minimum 10 centimeters high you know usually it's even higher i don't know how they manage but they have to because otherwise you know it's very competitive mm. and uh, so also when i started i was dancing without shoes even though i'm tall but you know the without shoes and uh, you know they look at you oh, poor girl she doesn't even have a shoes you know <laughs> <laughs> so this is important because remember that in middle east yeah, we're talking about Arab Emirates in Bahrain. Um, if we talk about Arabic restaurants with a live band, 90% will be Lebanese restaurants. Yeah, we have some Haliji restaurants with live band, but they don't really require a belly dancer. They have their, they have usually singers and maybe some ladies just sitting there, you know, like uh, on consummation, like Moroccan girls or something like that. Mm-hmm. But if we talk about professional dancer with a live band, it will be Lebanese uh, restaurants. And they expect it's a Lebanese uh, style, Lebanese uh, tradition. They always wear high heels. Mm-hmm. So to get good contracts, I realized that I should wear high heels and I should take a portfolio to make photos with uh, open legs, you know, big boobs, uh, high heels, you know, full makeup, nice hair, long hair, of course, so these kind of things. And not, uh, I, I, w- I were not realizing before that it's important. I thought like it, it was okay. But later on, I was looking around and I realized that how I understood how I should look like. That's why I tell other dancers when they start, I said, don't bring on your first photo shoot hundreds costumes bring three but the best one or even two but there should be wow and make lots of photos but send to your agency or to the hotel i don't know five 
should be some full size, full body photos and uh, two new, one, two portraits. And that's it. Because lots of girls, they send you 10, 20 photos, you know, in some dark corner, uh, you know, without makeup, you know, it looks so amateur, you mm -hmm. know, and... Uh, I always tell them, forget about the good contrast. With this kind of portfolio, with this kind of photos, you'll never get it. It's very important to have professional costumes, professional um, photos. Ah, by the way, how many costumes we need? Usually, it's about uh, minimum, let's say 15, it's minimum, minimum. Usually, it's 20, 30. And uh, lots of dancers, they don't have 30 posh costumes. They have let's say 10, like 30% they're posh, let's say for weekend, for Thursday, Friday costumes, we call it, and other costumes, they're like so-so. So, it's, of course, it's better if you have all posh costumes, but we all realize that, you know, to one posh costume will cost you, you know, about 1,000, one let's say, and uh, on the contract, they die very, very fast. So, mm -hmm. we'll also try not to have so, so much stuff. I see. Well, it's very interesting, actually. It yeah. kind of sounds a lot that they really pay a lot of attention to dancer appearance rather than dance skills. Is that uh, correct? At least during uh, the process of selecting dancer for the contract. Yeah, yeah, it's true. They really care about dance appeal rather than dancing. As I told you, you can be uh, just a model, very good looking, but maybe you're not able to dance. No, I, it's, you know, very rude to say like this way, but it's 100% uh, they look at how you look like. Mm, I see. Let's go back and actually talk a little bit about the life of a ballet dancer in Arab countries and how the contracts usually look like. What's the typical duration and what's the number of shows that you need to perform weekly or, I don't know, daily maybe? <laughs> um, and let's let's go a little bit back to the general outlines of the contract life of dancer. <laughs> yeah, I remember we discussed it a lot with you already, the difference about different countries, about attitude. For me, it was something crazy to have, for example, dance show with live band for 45 minutes. Once I had it first time, it was in Abu Dhabi, I think, that time, yeah, and um, for me it was, I thought, how I can survive. And seriously, when you just started, by the end of uh, your show, you just dead, you know, you are, you're totally sweat, your hair is wet, you know, you look horrible, actually, <laughs> because it's not easy. But then you get used to, you know, you start to cheat a little bit, say truth, like, for example, because if you perform only at the contest or a gala show, you go, for example, you have three, five minutes show and you're trying to show all your technique. Mm -hmm. And of course, in if you start to dance like this, uh, when you go to contract, you die very quick, you know, first song and this halas. Mm -hmm. But then I realized that actually at the contract, I should not mm, show just technique. I should maybe make some pause and also I should communicate with audience, even though I'm not allowed to go to the audience. But uh, still, I, I want them to sing with me, to, I can stop sometimes, you know, to show them like by my hand something, you know, the storytelling, the song or something like that. Then I start to slow down, let's say, and then it starts to be much easier. Mm -hmm. Also, between the songs, usually each song is, uh, if we talk about classic songs, will be 15-20 minutes. 
usually 15, if we take a couple of these songs, it's already half of the show, yeah? So then, usually the show starts always with a mission set. Most of the time it's a certain mission set, or they can just take any classic song, tarap song, and make it a um, mix of them, like take two, three songs and just put it for you to enter the stage. Mm-hmm. At the stage, uh, most of the time we then start with a whale or uh, we dance with the wings, which I was surprised because at the contest, con- uh, contest the only accessory you can use, it was um, whale or sagats mm-hmm. with a measured set. But there I saw the girls dance with the easy swings, with the fun veils, with a boy, with so much mm-hmm. stuff, and they can mix it because there you should do the show. It's not, you're not, you don't have frames. So for our audience, they really love the show. So it's the, if you bring the LED wings or something, they would really love it. Oh, okay. Especially if it's Thursday. Why? <laughs> Why Thursday? <laughs> Thursday because it's weekend and it's full ah. usually there. Because for example, if it's Sunday, Monday, you can usually we dance just with a whale normally. But if it's um, Thursday, of course, you bring your best costume, as I said, best uh, props, and uh, you dance uh, really well. Because oh, also it depends. For example, on Sunday Monday you can have maybe one, two, three tables. You know, it depends. So their week schedule is Thursday day off. That's that's how it works there. Thursday Friday. Oh, oh um, all days. I can say when I started. Up, I think they changed it about four years ago or something, but I, I can't, I'm, I don't know exactly, but in the Middle East, it was, uh, weekend was uh, Thursday, Friday, mm. so they, it was very weird because to make, make a business with uh, America or with Europe, they cannot fix the dates because it was strange, <laughs> they were different, you know, it, the, the stock exchange actually was working on, on only three days a week. <laughs> because in America they have a day off uh, Saturday, Sunday, and in the Middle East it was Thursday, Friday, so only have three days left. Right. So, so it's, and then they decided to little bit to push it. So now they actually have uh, Friday and Saturday. Some private companies they have only one day off. For example, Friday. Friday it's uh, it's a must because Friday for them it's a family day. Because they like spend it with the family and uh, not going out and uh, have a, usually it's family brunch. They gather like 30, 40 people, you know, the branches usually something like that. Oh, I see. I had no idea about that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know either when they when they came there. So for me, it was very strange. And you know, when you don't have days off, usually you don't if you work in Emirates. That's how I calculate the weeks when it's Thursday, because otherwise you don't know which day is that because you're working all the days. But today is Thursday, or mm. they call it Halloween Hamis. Hamis is Thursday, so they have lots of songs about Hamis, <laughs> famous and uh, something, because it's crazy time. So everybody's going out on Thursday, because tomorrow everybody can sleep. And uh, usually, so all nightclubs, uh, restaurants are full on Thursday. And of course, uh, the, um, I can say it's Everybody loves this day because for dancers, for musicians, it's also nice because it's uh, full power and audience is so cool and joyful. I see. 
And of course, we get more tips. <laughs> oh, okay. That was my uh, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you. Uh, are the tips uh, acceptable during dance show? Because my understanding, and I'm I'm uh, uh, pretty sure that uh, many dancers would have the same uh, same sort of opinion that tips are probably one of those tricky moments that the most uh, uh, has uh, connotations with all those stereotypes and uh, uh, bad things that we uh, try to take away from the image of dancer. And I know it totally depends from country to country. So in some countries, it's totally okay to accept tips. In some countries, it's absolutely not allowed. So I was curious uh, to see how in your experience working in Arab Emirates, how how is that goes? <laughs> Well, I can say, also going back to the contracts, sometimes they write to you, for example, that there are tips. If tips are very, very high, and it's usually it's uh, some countries like Tunis and Iraq, you know, they, they even the agency would like to have percentage because it's very good tips, I can say. <laughs> But um, uh, some contracts, for example, the salary might be not high, they, but they say, oh, but there are some good tips. When some dancers, they ask me about it, about advice, about this kind of contracts, I always tell them, you know, never look at the tips. Because tips, today you can have tips, tomorrow maybe no. You know, because the situation changes all the time. Even, for example, if you talk about Tunis, yeah. sometimes they have problems in Libya. Because Tunis get money only from Libya. Because Libya, it's a dry country, they don't have alcohol. That's why they all go drink to the Tunis. And uh, when they have problems in Libya, Tunis doesn't receive uh, customers. That's why the girls, they don't even work sometimes. Or they work, but only for locals, which they don't tip. That's why, for example, you don't get tips. So if you expect it, you might not get it. For example, if we talk about Emirates, they, I cannot say they tip a lot there, the Lemay's restaurants. But uh, I, I had experience working in one place, which I was shocked that they tipped so much that I get double salary. So I didn't even use my salary. I could, so, but there are just a few places like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the thing is in Emirates, for example, you are not allowed to communicate with audience. They put a fence sometimes even. Oh, mm -hmm. So for example, you cannot walk around. So you always have to stay on the stage and you cannot even take money from the audience. So they, they have to give it to musician Or there are some places when they throw money on you, like they do it in Egypt. They just mm -hmm. buy a huge bunch of dollars, you know, and they throw on you, for example. You know, they love this <laughs> stuff. It's the same like in Egypt they do. But again, it's few places like that. Usually they open champagne with a firework. You know, the Lebanese are really star love this champagne with fireworks. It looks very posh and, you know. And again, it's so usually in weekends. And for example, the only place I remember it was allowed to take tip and walk around the audience, it was Bahrain. And uh, for example, I can say, uh, I, I don't like, for example, when the people, they put tips in your costume. I, I never accept it. If there are some customers who show the money, for example, but they would like to put it in the costume, I say, no. Mm -hmm. And if they refuse to give me money, it's fine, I just walk through. Because I really believe if the person would like to give you money, they will give you. If they don't want, and they only want to put it in your costume, that, you know, they will not give you. But it's fine, you know, I, uh, I believe that we should respect ourselves, you know, it's, uh, for, if it's, sometimes if it's a woman, 
I can do that, you know, because it's, sometimes it's just a fun, you know, it's, it's okay. But with a man, no, I cannot accept it. Because I always take it in hand or I always show. Sometimes if I have um, a tabal, the tabla player with me who brings this huge drum for the dabke, uh, I always show to him on his uh, drum to put money there. Our next uh, featured guest today is Amara Lamar, who had a successful 12 years dance career in the Middle East. In fact, uh, I believe she moved out of uh, Dubai just uh, a little bit prior to when we recorded this interview and for this specific episode of Best Off I selected a part that we talked more about the show itself and the structure of the show and communication between dancer and musicians and how they actually prepare those shows but in the full interview we also talked about Amar's uh, story of how she got her first contract in the Middle East and uh, uh, some back and forth that she had to go through because uh, it was not uh, very successful right from the beginning so she talks uh, about that part of her dance experience too in the full interview as well as about uh, uh, sort of dance depression and how to stay passionate about dancing even after performing daily for the last uh, 12 years so if you want to hear the full interview you can go back to the episode number 18 Otherwise, uh, uh, stay here and let's uh, listen to her experience of uh, performing and creating shows together with musicians in Dubai. Do you have any, I don't know, magic formula of how you plan and structure your uh, program so it actually is interesting throughout the show? Like, uh, can you walk us through, like... Okay, I begin with this, so then it goes to this and to this. If there is any structure like like this that you use uh, in your program. Yes, well, in in Dubai, the show it goes more like this. It is the entrance or the mejance. Um, then there is a popular song. Normally, will be by a. Lebanese uh, author or I mean like from the Levant in George Wasouf is one of the most popular. Then after that it will be Khaliji since we are in the Gulf area. Khaliji must be dense uh, because of course most of your clientele they are from that part of the world so they want to hear something that they can relate with. Mm-hmm. Then you will have the Saidi, which is, I mean, people call it Saidi, but actually is Dabke, the Lebanese folklore. Um, I know some people, sometimes they make like Saidi, Saidi, Egyptian, but they are the less uh, places. Most of the of the restaurants make uh, Dabke. Mm. That, by the way, is something that I enjoy very much. Dabke is my kind of thing. <laughs> I love it. And then you will have something uh, baladi uh, or maybe a tarab. Sometimes you will make like baladi and um, solo. Sometimes if it is a day that is, I don't know, like a Monday, a Sunday, that there is no people, then I mean, no, no need to kill yourself. You will mm-hmm. make a long tarab and finish your show. But more or less, that's how is structured the the. Um, 
the show in Middle East. It is true to keep the attention of the people for 45 minutes. Uh, it is challenging, but the good thing of working in Arab countries is that Arab people understand the music. I mean, they want to see a very good dancer and a beautiful one, of course, but they go to the restaurant to enjoy, um, not from a technical point of view. They are not like, it's not like dancers dancing for dancers, which is what happened in the festivals and in the competitions. There is dancers judging you and you are dancing for them and they are looking to the smallest mistake that you have and criticizing about it and saying that you didn't perform your 100% because you make, I don't know, one uh, hip drop where it should be not or something like that. Uh, Arab people, they want to see the whole thing. They want to see someone that goes with the music, that flows with the music, that understands what she is dancing, and let them enjoy. So if you play one song that is very popular, let's say, in that moment in time when you dance, uh, most likely people will enjoy. Mm -hmm. Not because you are dancing, but because they enjoy the music. So in, in, in that essence it is easier to to dance for 45 minutes without the people uh, getting bored i think the key or the magic formula to keep that kind of audience entertained is make music that the majority like if most of them are lebanese make something from lebanon or from the the, the music that you think that they would like so I think that is the key. And of course, uh, in the middle of the show, somewhere between the Khaliji and the Dabke, you will put something new, something different. So then you will catch people's attention or maybe just before the end when their uh, battery to seeing you is finishing, when like already they get a <laughs> little bit tired of seeing the same face for 40 minutes. Then the last five minutes, you make something totally different and then, bam, you catch their attention. So, yeah, it is, um, as I, I think for me, it was never uh, so difficult to, to keep people's attention. But now, for example, if you dance for non-Arab audience, then that's a different story. Mm -hmm. Because most of them, they will not know what the song means. For example, I notice many dancers, they love to dance Tarab. And Tarab is amazing, but it's a slow music. I mean, unless you are a dancer or you are Arab, you can relate to that song. Mm -hmm. But someone that, I don't know, just entered in your restaurant and like they want to see you shaking and to see something to catch their attention, but they will get bored. I mean, because they don't understand. And um, I think to dance for audience non-Arab, which probably is your case and the case of many girls, it is more difficult. I think a show of 30 minutes in any other country non-Arab is enough. And sometimes even is too much, depending on the country. 
And uh, if you don't have that kind of audience, then you will be dancing for dancers, which are the ones that they will follow you, will go with you and enjoy your performance or criticize it, depending. But it's different. I think the show, the duration and how to keep the people... Uh, people's attention on you it is different depending of the on the audience yeah that's all so much true and uh, how do you usually prepare the program because you've mentioned that it's usually improvisation but i assume you do some i don't know rehearsing or preparations it's not just a come on stage and dance like there is some kind of routines you you probably do or you used to do in the beginning all the um, performances and also like how do you choose the songs is it you choosing the songs or is it live band because uh, as you mentioned you usually dance to with musicians to musicians uh, most of the bands they already have their repertoire you arrive with your own songs as well sometimes like you can both parties agree on uh, yeah this song you know it yeah I know it you like it ah yes I like it okay Tick the box. Okay, next one. And so on and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, many times, uh, it I will say, sometimes it's a problem because the musicians, I mean, you, you move all the time, but the band will be belonging to that place. And there are some musicians that they have like ages in the, that place. Mm-hmm. It's like they've been there in that restaurant almost since the opening. And... Uh, most of them, I also want to understand, they have families, they have, many of them, they are married, they have another job during the day. So they, many of them, they are lazy to make rehearsals. With most of the places, the very first day that you arrive, because that's something I must say, when you finish your contract, let's say from day one of the month till day 30, the day one from the next month, you are already working in the next place. So that same day, you have to pack your bags, move your things to the new uh, place where you will be, unpack your bags, make the rehearsal, and try to be not that tired to dance your first night in that new place. Mm. So literally, the first of the months are hectic, crazy, really like you, you have just time for nothing. And, uh, and as I say, sometimes you arrive and the band, they have like their own uh, already. Ah, you know, with this dancer, we used to make this uh, measure and then you go like, but man, I don't want to do that. And then it's a problem sometimes. Some musicians, they will like agree if you give them few songs that they are uh, not well known. But some others, they don't care. Habibi, just leave it. You are just one month. Forget. Hmm. And this is how after, I mean, like at the beginning, you uh, fight a lot for the right of making things different and improve your show. And you want to make your name as well. So you want to give your best and you need the support of the band. After some years, you kind of get like hatful. <laughs> you get tired of, of, of it. <laughs> You go like, man, if you want to make Satelhosen, okay, just fine, do it. I hate it, but do it. It's like after many years, I must say, I mean, Satelhosen and Mashael are still in vogue. 
in the in, in the UAE and I mean I'm tired of those songs for example they don't want to change because not because they cannot do it because I must say most of the bands in the UAE are wonderful the way they play is really amazing and they work so many times together that they really know what to do with the music but when you bring something different that takes them out of their comfort zone then it's a problem uh, sometimes as well, the band will show you one song that probably you don't know. Then also, I mean, you also you have to, I think in English you say comply. I mean, if you mm -hmm. ask, also you should give. So sometimes they play songs that you really don't know it, but you get to know them. So normally when you go to the rehearsals, you don't have much time. You will just like arrive. If they want to play a song that you don't know it, you basically record it and listen to it while you do your makeup and undo your bags and prepare for that night. And uh, the first week is always the adaptation period, the, when you start to get some kind of adjustments, because, of course, you make few songs uh, in the rehearsal, but there are many others that you didn't and you make during your contract. So, of course, like when you do it, you discover that I don't know, they make something different than the other band you used to be with. They caught you sometimes off guard. So you just learn, you know, those small tricks. I think the best will be like play the songs or make songs that you know that with the band very well. Like in the peak days, the, the weekends when there is more people. Mm -hmm. And the other ones that you don't know very well or you haven't worked with them with those melodies making weekdays when there is not much crowd. So in case something happens that is wrong, well, it's not looking so bad. <laughs> I see. And is it everyday rehearsals? Like, do you change the show for every night? Or is it like set program, I would say, like, I don't know, for a week? <laughs> no, you just make one rehearsal normally at the beginning of your contract. And the rest that you want to make, you either call for a rehearsal in a specific day, hoping that the band wants to make it. Mm -hmm. And if not, really, um, you kind of start to make improvisation in the al already while working mm -hmm. every night. It's not like a fixed program, but I mean, you change. As a, it's important to know a lot of songs. So like this, then you, you change. But if you want to make something special, you need to speak with the band before. Mm. Because otherwise, you know, they will don't know what to do or what to play for you. Right. So you need to tell them in advance. But uh, yeah, I have like a small uh, anecdote that we say in Spanish. I actually don't know how to say it in English. Like a story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had one band. Uh, Moroccans they were in Abu Dhabi and uh, it I think that was the only place where the manager actually forced us to make a rehearsal per week mm -hmm. honestly it's very nice for me it was really nice because then you can change and there there were songs that I asked for them that normally no one will play in uh, UAE and I remember that I gave to the keyboard player to make Tamil from Mario Kirlis. And he was like, what is this? <laughs> it's a song, Habib. It's amazing. 
no, but this is not Arabic. I don't know. Like, you make it. Not, like, belly dancers are going to love you. When they come and they will hear the song, they will be like, wow, because no one played this. This is very famous song among dancers. And he got excited, you know. He was like, oh, yeah, yes. He make it in one day. Oh. I mean, for them, the, like, they're so good. Like, in one of them, you know, he had it and finished. In the night, we make it. So, the days passed. And then, uh, one day, one um, colleague came to, I mean, with other girls, they came to see my show. And uh, before I entered in the stage, he came to see me backstage. And he was like, Amar, Today is your friend's Hira. To make, make we make Tamil, we make Tamil like all the time, <laughs> like a kid. <laughs> I tell him, yes, Habibi, make Tamil. So he went and he made it. And like, I could see that he was not looking at me. He was looking to the girls to see what is like, their expression in the moment <laughs> when they listen this music from angels. And like my friends, of course, they got surprised because they were like, oh, can't believe, like, he's playing Tamil. How come no one here plays that? And uh, I look at him and I give him the expression of, you see? He was like, no, yes. I, he felt like he was <laughs> like the idol of the belly dancers in the UAE. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's> so funny. <laughs> and you also mentioned that you like to throw really unusual uh, stuff even for yourself like as a dancer like that you make uh, some pasadobo and then I saw some African dancing in your program and something else what was your favorite craziest program like this <laughs> my god I um I don't know you know each thing that I made bring bring something I think for example the African dance I make it before in uh, in the theater and actually became very nice like people enjoy it a lot and myself I enjoy when I try to make in the restaurant didn't have the much the same acceptance honestly that it was in theater but I had to try so I mean I did I saw that really it was not their kind of tea so I was like well okay finish but all other things that I've made I think people has enjoyed. For me, um, as I say, when I make at the beginning and it's novelty, I love to make it because I see the people's expression. I see that they enjoy. I see that they see something new. So I enjoy. After time pass, I have to say it. Other girls start to copy or make it. Uh, then everyone already saw it. Then it kind of uh, lose its shine. It lose the sparkle then you have to make other things. And then when you make it again, you know, it's, this, it's the same cycle. When you make new, then again, everyone is excited. And, ah, you see, make, she make like this, like that. It was so nice. It was new. It was blah, blah, blah. And then again, you know, it's the same. After everyone see it already, then you need to change to something else. So it is a little bit, after a few years, tiring because you are out of ideas. <laughs> Really, you get out of ideas and then you get like, okay, what I will do now? God knows, I'm going to poke my eyes. Um, I think from the things that I did that I saw people enjoy the most, mm. I would say is the poi, uh, the let poi, especially the uh, one um, which is like um, give images. People enjoy it really a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And um, the one that I did with, I don't know if you saw the video, uh, one that I have one headpiece and some uh, like uh, blue wing feathers. I make that program for a new year. It was the only time actually I did it with a headpiece because with the, with the wings actually I dance a couple of times more. People enjoy it a lot because it was um, not uh, common. I mean, there is a lot of Brazilian dancers in the UAE and they have these amazing costumes uh, for samba. But they make Brazilian dance, of course. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's their nature. For me, I'm not Brazilian, so I decided to take it more to the Las Vegas Broadway style. It, that make, made some difference, I think, and people enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are two of the things that the people like the most. I make flags as well. I was like the first one who bring the flags, I think, to, to the UAE. Yeah, I think, I don't know, you know, it's like each each thing have something that people enjoy. It is for some time really new, really nice. After some time, you have to come up with another idea. Right. Yeah, but it's very interesting, exciting to follow your videos on Instagram. I was like, I'm always like, okay, what's, uh, what's new? What's something <laughs> interesting? Like, it's very inspiring for some uh, ideas of... Um, how truly to make the program interesting and varied because if you're talking about performances not just one dance on stage it's one thing it has its own challenges but mm-hmm. performing for extended programs like 20 30 40 minutes it's a completely different beast and you really need to get creative not only how to survive those 45 minutes but how actually make them interesting and refreshing night after night yeah, no, it totally. And also to do not um, die in the trying. <laughs> uh, like, for example, something I noticed uh, when you dance in theater or like when you are part of a gala or a festival, normally they will let you dance in one song if you are lucky more than five minutes. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I mean, you as a dancer, you want to show yourself, especially maybe is an important festival that you know is going to be people there that maybe they can like push you to improve your career or to put you out there, you know, the people to know you. So you want to make your best and you just have three minutes, for example. So I think this is when I see this um, dancing that you make like five in two seconds Mm -hmm. and it is nice to see but it's really tiring and sometimes uh, I see people that say I know but you know belly dancers in Middle East they don't do nothing I mean they are just like kind of walking and Mm -hmm. shimmy shake a bit and that's it but also I mean you cannot perform like five minutes per second in a 45 minute show (laughs) because that will just kill you And especially if it is every night. So you have also to dosify your strength, what you want to show more or where you want to put your most effort. So it is a different experience, um, uh, not only like visually, but also uh, physical Mm -hmm. uh, to to work, I mean, or to dance like one song of three, four minutes, 25, 30, 45 minutes. 
And I decided to finish this episode with a little part from the interview with Brenda. Of course, in the full interview we talked mostly uh, about dancing in Cairo, but she had little experience dancing out of, of Cairo too, and uh, uh, there is a little part that we sort of compare uh, dancing in Cairo and other Middle Eastern countries. So I wanted to finish on this note and also like finish with something like a little comparison of uh, being an uh, independent dancer and uh, working without a manager. So I just thought it will be a nice <laughs> conclusion for this uh, uh, topic today. But if you want to hear the full interview with Brenda, go back to episode 34 and you will find many, many more nuggets about dancing in Cairo. How does dancing in Egypt different from dancing in other Middle Eastern contracts, like in Lebanon or Tunis or Morocco, like whatever experience you had previously? How is it different? Uh, before, I, but I was not dancing in Morocco, in, in, sorry, in, in Dubai. I was a choreographer and dancer for the government. Actually, it was not very dancing. It was a dance for uh, folklore. Oh, I see. I was uh-huh. a choreographer. Yes, totally different. <laughs> I was a choreographer there for a TV show for the for the government of Dubai. Uh, so we used to make every day two shows, different shows for TV. And I was a choreographer for the girls. And in Lebanon, I was dancing in, in um, Safa Group. And some shows for the new year, which were, were private. So for me, I didn't have the experience finally to work there. The 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 the, the offer I got to work in Morocco, which is a little bit similar of the ones I got before, in, but I didn't go for the Middle East. Uh, actually, the the difference, what I think is that you are attached to one place there, so you have daily daily performance there, and they will not work on your name because there, uh, there is no, um, for example, if you can dance uh, every night there and maybe have some weddings, but you not, you will not build a name in the, uh, 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 with people. Like you will not go on street and they will know you because you will not be on TV, but they will know you because people who is in the circle of going to the restaurants or to the cabaret, you know, but not uh, to be popular. Here, because you have the chance to be on TV, you have, or at least us, that we went out from a TV show, we have the chance to be on TV, on film, on, on video clips, so you build your name. The work is actually this, it's not the same in the steps how you make the, the, the show, because there you dance more Dabke and here no, you dance there more Halichi and here not that much. And here we change our costumes like five times or four times by show. There they use only one costume by night. Here uh, we have our our apartment and there they live in the hotels. So there's some difference about the the contracts, but I think both of them are amazing. Actually, I was going to work in Morocco, but I canceled. And uh, I have a lot of friends dancing in the Middle East, and they are really happy there. And of course, it's a lot of sacrifice because you're far from your family, and you have to work even if you are sick. 
because you need to work because you have no day off or you have one day off by by week maybe. And it change of course a lot if you are in a contract with a manager or an empresario. As a, uh, rather, if you are alone, of course, it changed a lot because here you can have the same contract Funny in the Middle East if you are under uh, management. Uh, but most of us, we are like um, alone, like me, for, um, for me, I'm alone now. So, so that's the main difference, just how you will project your career. But the work is almost the same because we dance one hour by show or 45 minutes like them. And I think both, both works are amazing, actually. Mm. And you mentioned that right now you are alone, so you're not working with any managers uh, or agents. No, managers, I believe, in, in Cairo. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm alone. I'm working by myself. And uh, how is it like for you as a foreign dancer to be your own manager? That's I can only imagine. That's quite uh, challenging. Like I'm doing sort of the same here in Toronto, but in Toronto we don't have option of having managers for ballet dancers because it's not that popular. Uh, there is not much demand. But in Cairo, I can only imagine it's completely probably different story of being your own manager. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about this uh, part uh, of of your dance career? <laughs> sure. Uh, look, in the beginning, I used to have a manager, but here the managers are your worst enemies, I think, <laughs> because you 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 should feel protected by them, and you should feel like they care about you, and actually, they you are just meat that makes money for them, so they will try to. To, to to suck your life, you know? So it's really hard. Uh, I had a manager for about six months here, and I had actually many problems, um, many fights, many legal problems. I went to the court to, to break the contract. Uh, he was really bad, and for him, dancers are prostitutes. Uh, so I refused to have the behavior that he wanted me to have with clients. So finally, I I refused working with him, and I said, okay, I will start working alone. I tried with other other managers that never signed any contract because I already had the bad experience with this one. And uh, finally, I decided to work by myself. When I started working in Blue Nile, I already had my papers, my license, and a fixed work. So I said, okay, let's build my name by myself. And I did it. I am still working on it. I have people who talk in the phone. I mean, when you call for any contract, of course, it's not me who's talking. I have uh, someone who is responsible for the calls and the social media and many things. Uh, not, not social media for the marketing, I mean, not social media. I try to always to answer by myself. Uh, but yes, for the marketing area. And and for the photo sessions and etc., he is the one who manages everything, the, like the agenda, and gives the prices and takes the deposits and talks with the empresarios or whoever wants, or the groom and the bride or whoever wants to hire me. Uh, but he's working for me. I'm not working for him. So for me, it's the best. But of course, you have a lot of problems. For example, I I choose who comes to my band. So I have to make a kind of um, audition 
for for them, for the singers, for when I change someone inside my band. So when you have a manager, you just go and dance. You don't choose nothing. You don't choose the singer. You don't choose nothing. Maybe you can have an opinion, but you don't choose. It's more easy, and you have the contact already, and the manager has the contact, so he will tell you you dance here, you dance there. When you're alone, you have to build your own um, network Okay, and you have to 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 choose your musicians and everything. So it's a little bit more hard, I think. Uh, but it's the way that I find myself here more relaxed and and doing what I want because for the in the first times here, the first months here, I was not doing what I want. I was dancing what they want. Today I choose where to dance. In the first year I was dancing in cabaret, I have nothing against the girls dancing in cabaret because it's a work and I respect all the works and I love to go to the cabaret to watch it, but I don't like to dance in cabaret. And when you have a manager, if you don't go, you are breaking the contract. For example, once I didn't go to work to one place because it was a cabaret and I didn't want to work in cabaret and he sent me police to my home because I was breaking the contract because I had to go where he, he tells me to, I cannot say no, you know? So now I feel more free and I'm doing what I want. Um, I'm dancing. I refuse the work, the work I want to refuse. Or if I want to take more money in one place, I will take more money. And if, and if I want to take less money, I will take less money. But at least it's what I want. In the other side, no. I'm, I'm like under his control and I can't do nothing or say nothing. Because if I do something against what he wants, I will have problems. You know, so for me, it's more, some girls are more comfortable like that because they prefer just to go. They don't care. They prefer to go and dance, enjoy that moment and come back home. And they have already their promotion done and they have everything done. So it depends. Some people, they love to work in an office and going home and have no problems. And some people, they love to work as freelancers. So it depends on your personality. But for me, I prefer always to be, of course, uh, with uh, with myself. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for spending this time with us. And if you like this episode, it will mean a world to me if you take a few seconds and leave us a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. Also, you can always find more information about podcast as well as past episodes at yanadance.com slash podcast. As well as you can connect with me on social media by Yana Dance or Yana Komarnitska. I'm very active on Instagram as well as Facebook and share a lot of tips and inspiration for your daily ballet dance life. And by the way, don't forget to subscribe to podcast so you never miss a future episode. And until next time, keep shimming.